everyone. You're listening to the Faith and Family Podcast, a Christian family community that aims to promote Christian values for every phase of your family life. I'm Bernie Rosquitas. You know the line, in sickness and in health? Sound familiar? When the minister mentions in sickness and in health during the marriage vows, we tend to think of a cold, maybe a bad case of the flu, but not this. Hi, I'm Joanna Pato. I'm 38 years old. My family and I live in Sydney, Australia. Hi, I'm Donovan. I'm 39 years old. Joanna and I have two sons, Isaac and Ezekiel. Joanna and Donovan's story actually begin with the flu in 2020. The world had shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in the midst of this, the Pardos were devastated to find out that Donovan's lingering flu symptoms led to further testing and a biopsy. The diagnosis was acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and he needed chemotherapy immediately. It was... March, uh, sorry, actually it was in April of 2020, uh, where I actually got sick. Um, You know, one of my passions is sport. And and I was playing tennis that day with a friend. Um, From that day onwards, I started to get high temperature fevers, extreme uh, sweats. You lost a lot of weight. And I also lost a significant amount of weight. Um, I probably lost about seven kilos, which is about uh, what, 15, 15 and a half pounds or so within, a week uh, within two weeks. And basically it was like that for about two and a half, three months until my doctor suggested I reach out to a cardiologist, um, thinking that it could be a heart issue. And it was a Friday morning. Uh, I do recall it was July 9, where well, yeah, July 9 of 2020. Mm-hmm. where I got a blood test in the morning and while I was cooking dinner in the evening, uh, the doctor called and suggested that I should go straight into the emergency department of a hospital that was close to us um, in our previous place of, uh, our previous home. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I rushed through, got a whole bunch of tests done and, uh, it was crazy, you know, the, the doctor was telling me that my blood results had, you know, certain readings of potentially leukemia or, um, you know, a, a really bad virus. And so I ended up staying there overnight and, yeah, it was just a crazy time in my mind. And at that stage, you're in shock. Um you, you, you actually go through the whole process of, um, you know, managing, uh, managing the process of trying to accept it, um, you know, the fear, the acceptance, and basically going through that whole process of um, managing grief. Because for a 37-year-old, I think at that time, I was healthy. Um, I, I was working hard. You were traveling, you were playing sports. Yeah, I was traveling, I was playing sport. I, I did a sig- uh, in my role in my company, I used to travel, you know, four out of five times a week whilst performing as a deacon, um, doing my visitation, joining the caucus meetings for our local congregation back there in St. George. And uh, yeah, it, it was extremely busy. Yeah. But then suddenly COVID hit. 
So what was the hardest thing to accept about being diagnosed with leukemia? Yeah, it's the uncertainty. I think that was the hardest, hardest thing to really accept um, with leukemia. You know, I, I talk about the shock. I talk about the, the fear of not being able to recover quickly enough. Um, but something triggered in my mind that you just got accepted. And when I say move on, it's really, it, it's really about um, just going through the process. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly pragmatic in terms of how I approach life. And if there's an issue or a concern or a bump in the road, you know, what do I need to do to be able to get through this? Um, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I've got an amazing wife. I've got two great kids now. Um, my family has been extremely supportive. Uh, the church has been extremely supportive. And even, you know, from a work perspective, um, they have been so supportive these last couple of years where I've had significant amount of leave, but I'm still employed by my current employer. You know, living with cancer, um, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm no longer um, classified as having cancer. So I, I am in remission, but I've been in remission before. So this is actually, uh, this year was actually my second transplant that I had. Um, so I relapsed last year in August. And so going through the process of um, having a second stem cell transplant, I'm in a quite unique group of individuals who have actually done it twice. Mm -hmm. um, so probably the hardest bit to accept on, on that front is, you know, what if I was to relapse again? Uh, the other factor is when you get cancer, the probability increases in getting other cancers as well. But one of the things I know uh, that's hard is just the normalcy. We don't, we no longer, um, you know, live our typical day-to-day -day life. Um, if you look back to when, um, you know, we didn't have children. There, there's an acronym called a DINK, and, and that acronym spells out double income, no kids. It, it was different. You know, there was no limitations. Yeah. We could go out anywhere. We could, um, you know, jump on an airplane and fly out wherever we wanted. Um, times have changed. You know, I'm quite conscious about where we go, who we see, um, you know, practicing good, um, you know, social distancing because of COVID-19. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that have changed. I wake up every morning, I'm taking medication for breakfast. Um, you know, I've got my weekly or fortnightly visits to the clinic. It, it's no longer normal, but that's the new normal that's for us. That's a new reality. Yeah. Yeah, I remember visiting you at the hospital the day you were, the doctor sat us down to give us an update. And worst case was that it was leukemia. Um, he said you needed to do a bone marrow biopsy because of the type of leukemia they think it might be, that it would spread quickly, and that you'd have to undergo chemotherapy pretty much immediately. And then he changed the subject. I remember he changed the subject and he asked us how many kids we had. And yeah, we told him we have one child 
who was three years old at the time, Isaac. And then I remember he said, look, if it is leukemia, you'll need to get into medication and undergo chemotherapy straight away. And unfortunately, chemotherapy will affect your ability, our ability to have children in the future. And I remember it felt like someone was kicking us while we were down because the doctor didn't know that for the past six months we had been praying for another child. For the past six months, we had been getting negative after negative and then to be told on top of, you know, you being sick and possibly having cancer, we may not even be able to fall pregnant again. So it was very heartbreaking. It felt overwhelming. I remember crying and praying every day at home. I would just spontaneously cry and break down throughout the day. I remember praying and asking God to, you know, give me the strength and the hope because at that time I didn't feel like I had any of that. I remember getting up and sneaking out of our room at home because I didn't want Isaac to hear me, you know, sad or to see me sad or hear me crying. So I snuck out and I went into the lounge room and I cried and I prayed and I started getting ready for the day and I remember going to the bathroom and I saw that I had, you know, one more pregnancy test left and I thought, you know what, why not? You know, so I took the test and immediately I saw a line saying that I was pregnant. It was a faint line, but it was definitely there and I remember just saying to myself, no way, (laughs) no way. You know, I, I couldn't believe that at this time, you know, there's that possibility that I was pregnant after the doctor had told us that, you know, there's possibility we couldn't have children in the future. Then I cried some more and and then two and a half hours later, you called me and told me that you were with the doctor and that they had the results and that the official diagnosis was unfortunately cancer, leukemia. You know, I was sad, I was devastated, but in the back of my head, I was like, I'm pregnant. But it was definitely the news that we needed to hear. You know, we prayed for hope and strength and God answered in a way only he could. You know, with the pregnancy and his timing, he gave us exactly that. He gave us, you know, hope for the future and the strength that we needed at the time to get through this. And even up to now, we speak about it all the time that, you know, we see that moment in our life as a reminder of the power of, you know, our prayers, the prayers that we've had together and the possibilities of, you know, what could happen whenever we pray to God and when we have God on our side. So you can't deny that that was the hand of God kind of telling us that, hey, I heard you and I'm here for you. And I think that was really the first miracle that we've seen in this journey that we've had. And we'd go to the hospital and drop Donovan off at the hospital. And then we'd go to daycare and I'd drop off Isaac to daycare. So Isaac got into that routine of seeing his dad go to the hospital every morning. And so we had, you know, no choice but to explain to him that, you know, dad is sick and he's going to the hospital to get better. We also had um, nightly devotional prayer and nightly anointing of war. So we always had people coming over 
every single day, every single night, anointing you with oil. And Isaac, we join, join sometimes of that. And so it helped us explain because, you know, he'd listen to the prayer. And, you know, it, it's basically us explaining to him that daddy's unwell and we're trying to get him better by going to hospital, by praying and all of that. I remember the, <laughs> it was during COVID. So he'd go to school. Yeah, I remember also when I picked him up, the, the, the owner of the daycare came up to me. I was like, you know, your son has been going around asking his friends to pray for his dad. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, that is the sweetest thing. Just because he sees us doing it at home, so he's asking his friends to, to pray for him. So he was, look, he was three years old, and he, I feel like he definitely had to kind of grow up quickly. I think, and there was there was a sad moment I remember where because Donovan couldn't carry him. He was only three. He couldn't carry him, um, and I couldn't carry him because I, you know, I was heavily pregnant. And I remember he was with family, and um, at that time, one of his uh, relatives picked him up and scooped him up, and he told he told him, you know what, my parents don't get to hold me or carry me anymore, or hug me anymore, <laughs> like this. And it made us really sad, you know. I mean, like, as much as we wanted to, we just, you know, we physically couldn't. So now that we're well, he's like five years old. He's like, I don't know, 20 kilos now. <laughs> we're still carrying him around like a baby because just because of that one year where, you know, he felt like we couldn't do that for him. Donovan had a stem cell transplant in December 2020 and another transplant this past March after a relapse. Thankfully, he's in molecular remission now, but the fight against leukemia continues and a prayer is a constant action. So what are you most afraid of you know, living with leukemia? It's, it is that risk. It's the risk of relapsing or getting another cancer. Uh, I just want life to be normal again. I want to get stronger. I want to be there for you. I want to be there for the boys. And that is my biggest motivation to get through the fear of relapsing um, and getting leukemia again. So after the transplant, uh, the first time, I had total body radiation. I had cranial radiation. And the actual treatment was okay. It wasn't painful at all. But after getting all that radiation in my body, I'd, I'd be sleeping anywhere between 16 to 18 hours a day, just trying to recover. Now, living with leukemia, thankfully, I'm no longer living with it. So we took family photos recently, and it's something we've been putting off for whatever reason. You know, reasons like my hair trying to grow back, because it fell out um, back in 2020. Um, you wanting to lose the baby weight from uh, having it's, Zeke. It's not really baby weight anymore. It's been two years. Well, you know, <laughs> it depends on how much pizza you have. It's just a weight now. Is there anything else you don't want to put off anymore? Um, I think, I think I just want to achieve. I think I just want to achieve more of my dreams with you by my side sooner sooner rather than later things like you know simple things well not very simple but like traveling to to greece 
which is, you know, something that I've always wanted to do. I want to do that with you. You know, I want to experience that with you next year, preferably, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our own goals career-wise, you know, our goals when it comes to our faith, our home, our family, everything we've spoken about when it comes to our future. I want to I want to put all of that into action now and experience all the ups and downs that come with it with you. Yeah. Now, knowing that I've had cancer, how are you coping with it? How am I coping? And how has it changed in your life? It feels like I have three kids now instead of two. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I love taking care of you. No, but <laughs> but um, since since you were diagnosed, everything has definitely changed. You know, it's been it's been so difficult watching someone I love, someone who's always been so strong, go through something so painful. You know, all those times I would take you to your appointments and seeing you get weaker and weaker physically, you know, I felt I felt so helpless. Um, people, people would come up to me and ask me, you know, how do I do it? And I always think to myself, what choice do I have? You know, I have to be strong. I can't I can't be anything else. You know, my husband needs me more than ever. My three-year-old son at that time couldn't fully understand what was happening and he needed me there physically and emotionally as well. And I had to stop myself from being too sad. I had to stop myself from moping around. I had to look after myself because because I was pregnant, because there was a little human growing inside me. So I had to take care of myself to take care of the baby as well. So it's definitely forced me to be stronger and change my perspective on things. And, you know, it's just reminded us to always be grateful for each day. Um, Yeah, God gave me the strength and the love I have for my family also gave me the strength. So speaking of strength, what gives you strength at this time? One of my biggest inspirations is you, is Isaac and Ezekiel. It motivates me to try and get better every single day. Knowing that we have God in our life, it is definitely a big inspiration because, you know, Others may not have that same perspective, having our faith that, you know, our lives are controlled by a higher power. For me, that is um, some of the strength that I receive. But at the same time, I, I look I look at this um, diagnosis and this whole treatment that I've had as a war. And with every war, there's individual battles that you face on a daily basis. Um, You might not win them all every single day, but with the inspiration that I've received from the people around me and um, the different coaches that I've had, um, 
I definitely got through my treatment because of that. I'm not sure if I told you this, but that is a big factor. Yeah. You know, having visitors come see me at the hospital. Yeah. Because of COVID, um, there was a, you know, it was a survey that some of the pathologists did uh, during that period where people with stem cell transplant, um, the probability of them succeeding actually went down when the hospitals limited the number of visitors that you can have. Recovery was so hard for you because you just, you weren't around the people that you needed to be around. You, you know, you didn't, you know, there were so many limitations as to who could be in contact with you and you found it so hard. And I realized that you are the type of person to get energy from other people, you know, and it's, it's, we've been so blessed with all these people in our lives to give you, you know, that strength as well. I remember the nurse told us that you had people who were passing away without their families next to them. Yeah. If you had no visitors, um, people were dropping like flies. People were passing away whilst they were getting the treatment. The day I got my second transplant, um, the hospitals actually changed the rules for COVID. Yeah. And I was actually able to have visitors. And that really got me through my 50 days within hospital. Um, so I was actually very lucky, very blessed. Imagine just the day yeah. that I get admitted, I was allowed to have visitors. I remember I, I was dropping off food for you and I thought, I couldn't visit you, that I just had to drop it off at reception. But they were like, well, you can go up. Mm. And you were so surprised to see me and I was so surprised to be there. And, and it was just nice being there for you. You know, I remember the nurse. So actually, just a quick shout out to the, <laughs> to the ministers and also the, uh, the head deacons and deacons. They like, made a timetable to, to visit him to do anointing of all. So every single day. You know, there was someone there for him. You know, there was someone doing anointing of oil at the hospital or at home if he was at home. So every day he had visitors. And then, you know, myself and family and friends and deaconesses. Remember, we had some deaconess coming over doing anointing of oil at our place. Yes. Yeah. So very grateful um, to them uh, because they were definitely part of my journey. Um, seeing the officers every single day just to give me anointing of oil. And that I will be forever grateful for. And there's only so much you can do, you know, and it's just prayer. Prayer was just a big part of this. It was a, yeah, it was our medicine. It was the only way that we could get through this. And we just, we made sure every day we had anointing of oil, you know. I think there was only like, two or three times where you didn't have anointing of oil because you were in lockdown. You were sick and they couldn't let anyone anyone near you. Um, but yeah, it's just, even up to now, we're still having a devotional prayer every single night with our family overseas. You know, like my parents in New Zealand, my brother in Melbourne, my other brother here in Sydney. Every night we, we would pray because it's just, that's all you can do at times like this. What was nice was, you know, when he was at home, when he was in St. George Hospital that was near our home, you know, the officers in our locale would do the anointing of oil for him. They would either come to the house if we were at home or to the hospital. But then when he went to 
um, St. Vincent for his tramp, transplant. It was a bit further. It's in the city. So not everyone in the locale was able to make it. So, you know, we called up the district minister and said, can we ask for help from other local congregations? And then we just took out our phone and called everyone and anyone we could, you know, we could think of. And it was just so nice because there are like no questions answered. Like, yeah, what time? We'll be there, you know? And people just, ministers and, you know, officers just made time for us. And it was just, it was nice to feel that love and that concern at such a difficult time in our lives. And I remember the nurses, one of, there was two nurses in your room and you were telling me, one of the nurses said, it's because of your, you know, positive attitude, you know, it's really getting you through this. And then the other nurse was like, it's also because of all those ministers that are coming, praying for you. Do you remember when That's she said true. that? Yeah, I do remember Because that. They, they saw it every day. There was always someone there praying for you. And um, they would also, like, arrange their schedules around, you know, the prayers. And they were like, she was like, you know, it's, it's also because people are coming here praying for you. And um, that really helped you with your recovery. So that was nice to hear that people noticed it as well. You know, when we took our vows, love, mm. and we talk about, you know, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, you are exactly that. Like, we've gone through a lot. We've been married for, what is it? Please remind me, I'm kidding. <laughs> 11 years. 11 years we've been married. 11? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. We're going on 12. <laughs> If my math serves me correctly, we've been so blessed. You know, we've had challenges, you know, happy, happy to admit that, but we've gotten through it. In terms of, you know, getting sick with leukemia, you have been my rock. You have been my strength. You have gotten me through so much and that I will be forever grateful for. And I thank God that I've been blessed with you and now two additions, our two boys, there's nothing more that I could ask for. One of the things I didn't mention that I do want to mention now is despite being uh, a cancer patient, having leukemia, I always feel blessed. So much positivity has actually come out of me being sick. I know that might sound really, really strange, but we've had so many blessings come through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had friends and family just pop out of nowhere that you haven't seen in many years. Um, being reunited to some degree um, has just been an absolute blessing. But if I was to say, what, what's the one fundamental one fundamental thing that's really, you know, made things better is really you and the boys. It's just been extremely inspiring. Oh, one instance when I was glad that God chose you for me was when, whenever I would ask you, how are you going? You know, I made it, I made it a habit to ask you, not just how you were feeling physically, but also how were you mentally? You know, the doctors always said that half the battle is in your mind. So I, I, I made an effort to always 
find out how you were going, you know, just in your mind mentally. And you would always say, every time I'd ask you, you'd always say, I feel so blessed. Here you are going through chemotherapy, having lumbar punctures, you know, and your answer to me would always be, I feel so blessed. And for me, it was just, it was just reassurance that we're going to be able to get through this. You know, the way that you were thinking, the way you had this positive outlook, it helped me. It helped me get through it. And I'm thankful because, you know, we're all going to go through challenges in life. You know, that's a given. And this just happens to be our challenge. And I'm so glad that if I had to go through this, which obviously we are, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm going through this with you. Because this has, you know, it's it's taken a toll on us and it's taken a toll on me emotionally, but to have someone there with such a strong mind, it's just reassuring and it just it really helps me as well. It helps me focus, it helps me think positive. Your your positivity is contagious. <laughs> it just it helps me focus on on you guys, on my family and it just, it just tells me that you are the right person for me because if there's one thing that we're promised in this life is challenges and, and yeah, and I think just going through this challenging, this challenges with you, it's just, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't want to go through it with anyone else. You know, you've just helped me helped me so much and I'm just so thankful for that. You've helped me even though, you know, you're not always in the position to help me, but just even the way you think. It's been it's been it's made it easier for for myself and for our family. So I'm thankful that it's you I get to go on this journey with. I sound like a great catch, don't I? <laughs> yes you do. <laughs> Remember how I tell you, it's like it's like I've been on survival mode this past two years. It's like you're constantly feeling like you're, how would you describe, on edge, you know, that you're always so nervous and anxious about everything. Well, that's one of the things that um, I, I pray for, for you specifically. You know, first and foremost, I pray that you have the physical, the mental and emotional strength to be able to get through what we've gotten through in the last two years. I pray that your faith gets strengthened every single day. Last but not least, uh, I pray for your happiness, um, that God gives you the comfort and blesses you and blesses our family. Because at the end of the day, I pray for myself to have longevity, to be there for the family. And that is one of the ways that, uh, you know, I show you my love because, you know, we are one unit and I want to grow old with you. My prayer for you and you know I pray for you every single day. 
I pray for the obvious, which is that, you know, God blesses you with his healing power. I pray for uh, you to have a long and happy and healthy life with us, for us to, like you mentioned, grow all together, but also for our children, you know, to, to build more happy memories with, with you, with us. And for us to just yeah, have that peace and have that sense of normalcy back. You know, we have so many goals for our families and I just, I want you to feel better, to get better so that we can achieve more of those goals and do, you know, all the things that we plan to do in life. And I just pray that God continues to bless us with more miracles. It's one of the things I say that, you know, let us be witnesses to, to your miracles and perform miracles in our lives, just like he's done from, from the very beginning. You know, and I just, you getting better and being happy and spending more time with us, I think it's, um, it's a miracle already. So yeah, that's my prayer for you. Just the fact that we had online worship services and how you've been able to attend every single worship service. Yeah, I haven't missed one. Yeah, because it's been online, even when you were in hospital. Yeah. You know, just being able to hear the lesson. Oh, and that's another thing. It's just some of the lessons, that it just really hits home for us. Mm. You know? Especially the pastoral lessons. The pastoral lessons. There was. I remember there was a lesson where the night before we were talking about we were talking about, you know, we want to do more. And, um, you know, God's blessed us so much. And then literally the next day was exactly about that, you know, about being thankful for all our blessings and for, you know, and that we should be doing more. And it's just, it's just, it's just so coincidental. Every time we're going through something, not coincidental, but it was just, it's just God talking to us. Every time we go through something, the lesson would be about that. Even just the previous lesson about King Hezekiah, you know, you were saying how I just felt like the lesson was for you. Thank you to Donovan and Joanna for taking this time and sharing your journey with us. Though unexpected, this couple with their boys have leaned on their faith and their love for each other to find the strength to face this illness. I'm Bernie Rosquitas. Thanks for listening to the Faith and Family Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow at INC Media News on Instagram for the latest on incmedia.org.